ecologically local. The show that highlights local issues and solutions to sustainability problems. In this globalized world, we believe that we need tailored and local solutions for greater sustainability challenges. And Logically Local brings to you stories from people, organizations, and communities who are doing their bit to contribute. We are your hosts. I am Trisanki Saikya. I am Mayuri Fukan. And today, we are going to talk about grassroots level engagement for sustainable development. Leaving no one behind is a commitment of Sustainable Development Goals 2030. However, the planning and implementation of national and state level plans and policies often oversee on-ground conditions. And these are also perceived differently across different group of communities. Grassroots organizations can act as a bridge between planners and the communities to ensure that equitable service delivery and leverage community-led actions. Our guest today is Inakshi Datta. Inakshi supports organizations and social entrepreneurs to develop, sustain, and promote people's issues and mobilize resources for the development of the northeastern region of India. She is currently the director of Institute of Development Action, IDEA, an organization which supports and organizes the efforts of civil society to hasten the pace of development in the northeastern region. Welcome to the podcast, Inakshi. We are extremely happy to have you here. Thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me. I think Logically Local is a great initiative, you know, giving the voices, uh, voice to the local issues, local capacities, local initiatives. Really appreciate and thank you for inviting me. All right. Since we are talking about grassroots inclusion, let's uh, delve directly into this topic and let's talk about why including grassroots organizations are important when we discuss sustainability and sustainable development. Um, I like to try and explain this without using jargons or theories uh, because sometimes we get lost in uh, bigger theories and really uh, lose out on the essence. So if I just uh, take an example, if, we, if I am to give you a gift tonight, uh, perhaps a dress, but since I don't know you enough, I buy a long, loose dress from the one-size-fits-all section of a color that you inherently don't like. How will you feel about that gift and would you like to wear that dress? Any thoughts? That depends on your taste. <laughs> ah, I said it's a long, loose <laughs> dress which inherently is not the color. fitting you mean. <laughs> uh, probably not. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, it we won't be super pleased and it won't be as useful to us because it won't be a well-fitting dress yeah so most likely you won't be wearing it so that's the same feeling when you know you get straight jacketed programs and one size fits all kind of policy uh, or programs that are made maybe by the central government or the state government and handed over to the communities so you know that that feeling of was this for me is something which uh, lots of times our programs fail because of these elements of losing out on the community engagement, community dialogue, community participation in building the program and then implementing. Your implementation will be only better if you understand the program well and have tailored it according to the needs of the community. I'll give you another ex example uh, from my work experience. 
to elaborate this point a little more. Uh, I work with the Ministry of Rural Development and one of the programs, it was way back um, early 2000, and one of the programs that was there is called was called the Central Rural Sanitation Program. It was in similar lines with today's Swachh Bharat mission. And there, NGOs were given um, money to construct toilets. And we had to go and monitor whether the program is being implemented or not. And I went to this remote village somewhere between Assam Arunachal border. And uh, <laughs> the first toilet that I opened, anyway, it's not a very good feeling doing that. Something started falling off and I was shrieking. What happened? And when I look back, I, I saw that food grains was uh, flowing out of the sack from the toilet. And I was like, what is this? And the community said, uh, Madam, this is the best place that I have to store my grains. The, the thatched roof of my house is leaking and I can't store my food grains there. I need it for the entire year. Yeah. So I said, but this is a toilet. You have to use it for that. And they said, Madam, only if I eat, can I use it? And, I, and he, there was a valid point in what he was saying. He said, I have vast open lands where I have been traditionally going for doing open defecation. What I need is to store my grains. And this is such a well-constructed with a tin roof. This is the best place to keep my grain. Now, what do I write in my report? Whether the program was implemented well? Because yes, 100% of the money was utilized in making a beautiful toilet with a tin roof, everything, you know, concrete walls, the NGO had utilized. Now, what do I say? Program achieved or not achieved? That is indeed quite the dilemma. Quite the dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- program, <laughs> the thing is to stop open defecation, but here the community is unaware of the implications of open defecation. Uh, they've not been educated, and perhaps in the program that wasn't really designed that way. It was about constructing toilets. But without the software component of it, does the hardware really work? Whether we really engaged True. with the community before constructing uh, the toilets. So, so those are the things. When you when you don't get the grassroots inclusion, don't um, you know understand what are the issues that they are dealing with. And I don't say that construction of the toilet was not required at that point of time. It was, but then. How do you educate them so that there is the transformational change that we wish to bring in? The engagement part is crucial. The inclusion of their thoughts, their views, and how do you accommodate to make them aware of the implications? I think I think that is what uh, is the role that uh, gets missed out many a times. And, and then the hurdles of implementation of programs, very well thought through perhaps, but at a level which is not taking into consideration sometimes the grassroots issues. So I think that is where it is very, very important that grassroots inclusion in sustainability planning is important. If you want to make your programs uh, holistic, if you want to make your programs acceptable by communities, it is important to get their views on board um, to be able to bring about the change that you wish to be. Yep. I hope I'm making my turn. Yeah, exactly. I think what I understood from your example is uh, that while it is important uh, to have uh, programs or activities or the infrastructure, 
until and unless the communities or the individuals uh, at the grassroots level themselves understand the concept uh, of why it is important and uh, mm. acknowledge the importance and the education is important and it has to go hand in hand i agree what you said that it is the toilet was probably important but there had to be other aspects in the program which also focused on the education and not only the infrastructure but i'd also like to know that this is one example of where you saw how uh, uh, the non inclusion of uh, the people actually led to i would not say failure but not the proper use of uh, the program and not as effective but are there examples of where, where the grassroots organizations and community led actions has been successful and more so than other programs in uh, northeast so just so that our audience could also be inspired by some positive examples around this issue yeah i think um, in a, in 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 the northeast if you really see like uh, the professional social work or development work has started late but however uh, there have been a lot of uh, community initiatives that or the collective action that communities have been taking which are really really effective and have a far reaching uh, impact i'll take a few examples uh, like there was a program um, which which was basically uh, planned for um, bringing together organizations working across the brahmaputra uh, river right starting from siang in fact arunachal to bangladesh because if you look at the if you if you look at a river anything happens upstream it has its implication in the entire downstream yes definitely so how how do you uh, so this was this whole network which worked with organizations right from arunachal to bangladesh so right from the early warning system you could just send an information and people start getting ready um, um you, you even even when there are um, issues of advocacy of what what could be the implications of mega dams um right from the upstream you know the a mega dam coming up in arunachal how does it impact the downstream the assam brahmaputra valley and then right up till uh, bangladesh there are implications that is there so it's not only uh, all programs are not only you know located in that particular program but it has a much larger implication anything that you do upstream has an implication the down, uh, downstream similarly if i take pr- program of uh, we are now doing a child rights initiative in assam covering five districts and when we started the program in each of the five districts issues are different if you work in if you look at the chore areas dubri borpeta their issues of child labor uh, child marriage those are more uh, prominent um, while if you look at um, the tea garden areas there again survival survival is also an issue in these other areas but then in an, in another location survival will be a more critical issue you know suppose uh, in tea gardens they have certain practices of uh, having salt in their tea and all which is leading to anemia and then uh, 
maternal mortality rates are very high among the um, tea garden communities so i think there there is a variation in 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 your work though it is we are doing a single program across these uh, four districts but we have tried to accommodate local issues by engaging each of the communities to plan for themselves and then bring that up into a collective framework uh, which is guided by universal principles or theories like here we are using the uncrc's uh, framework of child rights you know the survival development protection and participation so how how do you engage each community giving them the space for uh, doing their own level of planning and how do you bring that up into a holistic program is what is or into the universal principles whether it's ksdgs or um, any other uh, frameworks that we work with i think it's very very important to see how we are allowing local communities to also have their space for participation which becomes very important exactly and i think you spoke about uh, you spoke about the diversity in different states uh, in different districts in assam in your example uh, and while this is true for uh, the entire india but particularly when we are talking about northeastern india our states are so different we have so many uh, ethnic communities and tribes and even in in a very short distance the communities can be completely different uh, so especially in the context of northeastern india i think what you said that uh, the diversity should be acknowledged in the local uh, context should be acknowledged is very very important and another very important aspect which comes when we think about northeastern india is uh, northeastern india has this uh, it's untouched it's very close to nature uh, a lot of uh, a large number of i'm not saying all practices but also the communities itself are very resource dependent and hence are close to nature right so yeah. there are certain generational uh, knowledge which already exist and sometimes when these local contexts are ignored we forget to take into consideration these generational or these local uh, knowledge which already exist or the sustainable practices which already exist in the region and there are new practices which might not be relevant or effective in that particular context or region right so uh, i think that's something which what you said uh, really resonated uh, in the context of grassroots uh, inclusion in sustainability planning in northeastern context what do you think about that yeah i think it's it's far more important when it comes to the north northeastern context like what you said diversity is key in this region it's one one thing which really uh, makes this place very beautiful and yet yet a difficult region you know the diversity the geopolitical situation i think warrants grassroots engagement in northeast you all are aware like we have 98% of international boundaries mm-hmm. percent which we are connected with the rest of the country it 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 comprises of diverse geographies you know we have mountains hills valleys yes, plains true. rivers you know it's 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 geographically very diverse 
it it hosts uh, 200 plus tribes you know more than 220 languages are spoken in the region um and mind it it's also a biodiversity hotspot a, a, the region is you know said to be hosting around 7.6% of the world's species here so again even diversity of that so that's the kind of diversity that is here in the region so any kind of program or policy would need to consider all these elements and grassroots engagement is imperative in doing that one cannot you know make programs and policies based on theories or books uh, or having a birds eye view from a closed door context and you know uh, prepare it would not really work effectively in the region only if the community's aspirations the resources that they have also the limitations have to be understood and only then a sound program can uh, be developed and it's not only about the communities and the tribes even even i'm talking about the 7.6% of the world species that we have to consider the the, the biodiversity that we have true true and so i think i think that is what yeah my yeah opinion. please continue i think that is what like what you were saying you know we, we also have a lot of things that exist in the northeast we i i, I always say this you know i think the northeast is a region which is uh, or you know organic by default by we by default we are practicing being organic which is getting rather lost by the imposition of newer thoughts and things like that you know just a few examples if i have to take uh, you know the time when you were doing workshops for uh, reviving the dying art of uh, mask making in majuli you must have seen no yes. the masks that are made it's so organic it's made out of uh, natural materials the tankha painting in arunachal again organic color dyes are being made and um, the monasteries had been you know doing that practice but again that is getting lost the millets millets were grown and eaten in nagaland and now it's become like a poor man's food though it's again reviving now but uh, you know in between it was all wheat and rice and pulses and millets was just being neglected and again you know there is this whole uh, thing of reviving millets as a food crop in nagaland the terrace farming that we practice that's very very uh, it it allows the biodiversity to exist you know so i think everything if you look at the even basic things like the assam type house made of wood and mud was basically because we are in a high seismic zone so so you know it, it, we traditionally were much more wiser i feel and we had our coping exactly. uh, mechanisms in place which perhaps over time we have moved from assam type to concrete and rcc buildings hi guys you know <laughs> it's a heat yeah. island now so so even like um, we are in a high seismic zone can a earthquake really what would be the implication so so those are things that i think uh, you know traditional uh, herbal medicine was something which is there uh, and um, you know of course assam is doing better um, like meghalaya was still is uh, very well known for traditional herbal medicines but it's not documented so as the people 
you know the elders start dying or then uh, will the practice die off completely is what uh, we get worried about you know how how do we con- continue to preserve and con- conserve these practices and take them forward yeah true uh, you know while designing these different programs and policies what is often uh, missed out on is that traditional practices food habits uh, clothing habits are all uh, related to the geography the weather system and perhaps even the entire ecosystem so maybe a bit more research into the localized context is before suggestions and recommendations in developmental projects would be more helpful to include community aspirations and improve uh, program implementation and ensuring their long term sustainability which uh, also brings us to the topic that most of the programs are usually implemented or designed using a top down approach so using whatever literature is available or whatever amount of information is available uh, projects gets designed and then it gets carry forwarded which at times creates huge problems like we have already discussed so uh, now what can be some of the pathways to ensure that uh, community groups community led groups youth groups and grassroots organizations can participate better in these programs and policies or how can their uh, capacity be built so that they can voice their concerns and their recommendations to people at the administrative and at the policy making level i think this is a wonderful question uh, uh, top down and bottom up there's always been uh, this whole struggle and uh, mostly you know the 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 thing with bottom up is it is time consuming i'll not say resource consuming because resources i think amount to the same but it is a little slow process and uh, and that is where people i think avoid this uh, path and take shortcuts in a way uh, because top top down is easier to handle and just do something and uh, it will be faster that you can brainstorm in closed door rooms and push it down the pipe um but i think as a country as a nation with the panchayati raj system bottom up was what the government had realized and had brought it the panchayati raj system is all about the bottom up approach you know uh panchayats were supposed to make plans for their villages and that goes upwards and come back as policies but sadly um and and more so in our region uh, panchayati raj has really not been implemented in its true spirit but we already also had existing local councils in northeastern india right uh, yeah. so that again like panchayati raj is something which is foreign as a concept yeah. so there again we had these autonomous councils uh, again the scheduled areas do not fall under panchayati raj and they are the traditional bodies uh, again that's a different uh, a whole topic in itself that we need to discuss maybe some other time because if you if you really <laughs> really get into that it is like uh, you know the the local governance and the traditional governance you know um there have been a lot of uh, issues on that and how 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 does all of that fit in uh, so so those are issues that 
are there. But even in the Panchayati Raj system, for that matter, I think the, the true essence of planning of uh, the localized governance has really not happened. It is about just implementation of a few schemes that the Panchayat does and nothing uh, more than that. So I think uh, there is a lot that uh, youth groups, uh, women's group, and again, like I said earlier, in the Northeast, the essence of collective action has been there. If you if you look at Mirai Paibis of Manipur, you know, they are a very active mothers group. If you look at Naga Mothers Association in Nagaland, very active uh, group. In Mizoram, there is something very, very unique. Um, the Young Mizo Association, every Mizo born becomes a part of this group. And everything is taken care, care of, right, from your birth, your marriage to your death, which is also, which brings in an equal equilibrium in the um, entire community because you don't you know the the association does most of the thing so you, you you can't be lavish because you have a lot of money neither can you know even a poor man can afford because the community takes that responsibility so it it and it, it become uh, things become far more systematic so we have these traditional practices it's just that perhaps you know how do we build this engagement of uh, the government programming and the community programming and also building capacities of the community groups. I think that is a very, very critical element that needs to be worked on. Uh, making people aware of the various laws, um, you know, if you really look, Panchayati, uh, the Gram Sabhas that are supposed to be held, people are not aware of when the Gram Sabhas are held and you know they don't participate they are not um, aware that they they have a say in the planning process for their village i think those kinds of things is what uh, needs to be built the capacities of the communities the various uh, collectives and groups that exist and seeing how things can be networked and uh, linked with government programs and initiatives and the government also needs to of course be proactive and as of now uh, things are moving um, you know, all policies and bills are put out for public opinion though the periods are very short or um, are just put on the website so people don't get to know so i think um, organizations like us we we need to also work on such elements where we take down information to the communities and be that bridge where they are aware of their rights entitlements and you know take initiative Definitely, the way forward has to be uh, it has to begin from capacity building of the grassroots, and I think with this uh, we come to the last segment of this very engaging episode. And since we discuss sustainability in our show, we usually ask our guest to tell us of any sustainable choice that they consciously follow in their own lives. So. Inakshi, please tell us something, anything in your own life. Yeah, I think this has become a very, very important um, element of each and everyone's life. And if we are not conscious now, we will really, really repent, especially for our future generations. And so what I do in my personal life, the lifestyle changes that I have brought in is I always carry my own bottle. I don't buy uh, bottled water. Uh, I love traveling by public transport and I, I try and take the public transport as far as possible. 
I uh, carry my bag for my shopping. I don't carry back plastic from the shops. Um, so there are a few things that I've done at my individual level, but also as an institution. Uh, in our organization, we have created certain policies like uh, not only um, each and every staff, they cannot buy public um, uh, like plastic bottles of water. Um, even in our meetings and all, we do not allow. Uh, even at um, uh, if staff are traveling, they are supposed to carry their own bottle. If you give a bill which has a plastic bottle or uh, even the flexes, we don't. We do either written on cloth or we don't use flexes at all. Uh, in our workshops, meetings that we hold, we don't. We try and give ink pens and not ball pens. Uh, we don't use plastic folders. Uh, there are a lot of these meetings and workshops that we keep holding as NGOs. Uh, we 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 give uh, thicker notebooks and not those throwaway. Um, notepads which people normally don't keep or Notepads. yeah even if they keep they keep it for a very short time so if we have these longer term uh, programs under which we do our training programs so we give them you know a fat notebook which costs us a little initially but we tell them that every training because we normally have a two or three year project that runs we tell them for every training you'll have to bring back this notebook and write it there because from the next trainings we are not going to give you notebooks so, you know, trying to um, do our bit in our own way, both at individual level and also at an organizational level. I hope a lot of organizations listen to this and get inspired by this, uh, the different initiatives that you have taken at an organizational level, because so much, you're right, so much waste is generated by these yeah. trainings and seminars. So sometimes and we have such. to really struggle to get the big bacillary into our training so that you know and we have we have bought glasses uh the plastic glasses which we can reuse wash and reuse so that we we carry those for our training programs along with the bacillary uh, uh the bigger ones so that we don't have to buy those small bottles anymore so yeah i think small steps but uh, uh we do feel good we don't have ac in our office we don't uh, we hope we plan not to have one so small steps that we our team largely drives cycles. Of course, those are their personal choices. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, these are small things. If as organizations we can also take up, it makes more uh, meaning to our work that we do. Yeah, definitely. It's wonderful to see not just a motivated individual such as yourself, but uh, also that these efforts are also being done at an organizational level. And uh, it was very interesting discussing different aspects of grassroots engagement with you, Nakshi. Grassroots organizations mobilize civic engagement to stimulate government response. Indeed, it's very important to co-create solutions with the community and build capacity of grassroots organizations to promote social accountability and inclusion in our efforts for sustainable development. Thank you for listening to us today. Tune in next time for another discussion on logically local efforts and solutions. Mm-hmm.